like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello there, you little rapscallions. I'm Karen. And I'm Kelly. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for innovative chandlers. <laughs> Up for discussion this week is Nancy Drew and the Sign of the Twisted Candles. So, Karen, mm-hmm. here is my opening thought for which to ponder. Ready to ponder with you. Excellent. So, tiny bit of backstory here. The location at which we spend the majority of this book is a like a little inn and restaurant, which is called... The sign of the twisted candles. So, <laughs> like, who names a hotel that? Like, I, it, it's a descriptor, was, man. Like, that's a description. It is. I was very confused by that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, that is really poor branding. For yeah, this it wasn't place. great. Um, it kind of <laughs> also gave away like some of the the mystery right off the bat. But shall we consider the twisted candle in a restaurant? perfect thank you that is perfect thank you i will also in this attempt at rebranding i was thinking back to the book where nancy drew creates uh like a billboard experience and is like come see the scene of the crime yeah yeah that was the uh redgate farm it was the whole walk through animatronic uh counterfeit exhibit by the side of the road yes yeah and so i putting on my Nancy Drew marketing expert hat, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thought that we could, you know, just really do this place up. It, you know those Airbnb experiences you can do now? I, I have heard tell, yes. So I think I think that this place should be an Airbnb experience, mm-hmm. and it's like, come stay in a spooky mansion and learn to make fancy candles. <laughs> I'm totally there, although I gotta tell you, the only thing I'm picturing right now is Shroot Farm. <laughs> which... <laughs> I'm not saying I wouldn't go. I, I was like, I would go there also. <laughs> but this this feels straight out of uh, the office to me. But yes, I mean, I, I'm with you. This could be an excellent Airbnb experience, particularly if you like threw in some kind of like escape room, find a hidden compartment scenario. Ooh, yeah. Are we yes. on to something? I think, I think we might be. You may have to delete this. Uh, no one steal this idea. Right? Is this how we quit <laughs> our day jobs? <laughs> interesting like yeah and nancy okay yep we will uh Mm -hmm. we'll discuss after this episode (laughs) moving right along so uh what'd you do this week i know i had i had a birthday happy belated birthday sister thank you it was on friday today is sunday and it was on friday and it was a real delight i i am like, I might not be recovered in that I was so lazy all day that that's mm. all I want to be now. I literally knitted almost the entire day because I was marathoning the entirety of the new season of Dirty John that's about oh, Betty, Betty Broderick. Betty, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Could not stop watching it. Could not stop knitting while watching it. That that show was real good. Yeah, and that that whole story is so messed up. Like dirty is the right word like betty got done dirty she, i mean the whole uh, murder thing not good don't kill people but like you can kind of understand why she went nuts why she yes like all of the gaslighting all of mm-hmm. uh, her husband was the, the worst 
worst. Mm-hmm. And oh man, the actors in it were. I was going to say. However, the casting is so spot on because it's uh, a Christian Slater, isn't it? Playing yes, crazy Christian Slater is her husband, and is it like Amanda Peet? Is that her yes, name? yes plays from. Yes, Amanda Peet. She was in that um, Diane Keaton. Uh, anything is something's got to give. Oh, that's what I remember her from. Is that movie? She's so good. She was amazing. So that was my birthday. I took the day off work and I knitted and watched that show all day. And then we got we went to a real restaurant and got sushi, and it was like, man, after the pandemic, it's like the little things. Yeah. I was like, I just need like a. California roll yeah tied me over and it was amazing eating like eating outside of your house this is one of the things that has been like revelationary for me I guess during the pandemic but like I'm I'm like I need to remember this like dear diary don't let me forget like eating out had become so commonplace for me like it was yeah, just something yeah. that we did after work like several days a week it was what we you did with your friends whatever and oh my gosh it is such a treat now for the first time in forever yep. that i'm like i need to make sure i don't like overdo it with this this is special and yeah it does feel special that is the perfect mm-hmm. word for it i oh it was marvelous yeah Absolutely having somebody else cook marvelous. your food is a beautiful thing yeah and like a cocktail maker? I am not. Oh, so same. Uh, I was like, "What is the most complicated cocktail you have? I will have mm-hmm. that." I don't please. even care what's like, in it. Yeah, I was like, I can't make this myself, which means I have had nothing like it for mm-hmm. over a year. So, I mean, I can one. usually, usually successfully like crack open a box of wine. There have been a couple of accidents. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's been one notable puncture in my past, but like that's about as challenged as I get with it. So, I'm I totally hear you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You need so, to watch now. So this was how I spent my morning. And I got to tell you, I was like mind blown. There is a new episode of 2020 that just aired called. Okay. It's called Taken, I think is the name of the episode, but it's like the most recent one. Okay. And uh, it is about this case that I had never heard of. I can't. That it, okay. I, that's shocking because you have heard of every true crime. Well, I've heard about most of them that are, like, far enough in the past that they've been covered on, you know, the 17 billion true crime podcasts I listen to. Um, this one is a little bit more recent, and I i mean, I hadn't heard anything about it. That's not to say nobody's covered it, but I haven't heard anything about it. So, anyway, it's... they I don't remember the people's names that are involved with it, but it was referred to in the news, I guess, as, like, the Gone Girl <gasps> crime... Okay, And it's horrible because these two people, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, get like, it's like a home invasion situation in the middle of the night and she gets kidnapped and she eventually gets released and nobody believes them. (gasps) And they are accusing her of like pulling a gone girl. O-M-G. Yeah. And it is like, they're both expecting that they're probably going to be arrested at some point. And yeah, I mean, it's horrible. They're like right through the mud in the media. Like the the uh, the police department is like openly accusing them of this. And oh my it's gosh. not until the guy that did it is captured on. He's arrested for another crime 
that some really amazing female detective puts two and two together and is like, oh, we need to like further investigate this. And sure enough, I mean, all of the evidence is there. There's like, I think DNA evidence, blah, 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 tying him to this to this crime. I mean, oh, it's, my gosh. it's like your worst nightmare, right? Like it's bad enough to think that you might be accused of a crime you didn't commit. But to be accused of a crime you were a victim of. Yes. Yes. It's like exponentially worse. You're so, like, anyway, I it's crazy. legitimately was almost murdered. And yeah. And now, now, and now not you're only will I not of, see. Right. Now, now I won't see justice. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I'm going to go to jail. Yeah. For like, that's crazy. It's insane. So okay. anyway. Sold. Recommend. Highly recommend. It's yeah. Um. Also, I must tell you the story. So my my <laughs> back fence neighbor, I don't have a yard, but like the house on the other side of me, I have a lovely neighbor and he will talk to my cat who likes what? <laughs> it's my favorite thing ever. So it was happening like all morning. Um, my I have a window in the back of my house that's like <laughs> it's because of the way my house is built, like in the basement is and everything like my first floor windows are almost like they're they're higher up than normal like you can't look into them from the ground so they're like well above head height if you're standing on the ground so ollie likes to sit in my back window that like looks out at the side of my my back neighbor's house so i had the window open this morning and the cat's back there like sunning his little body in this open window like there's a screen down whatever and i start hearing what is clearly a conversation like oh my gosh (laughs) i'm hearing like talking from outside and then i'm hearing ollie make these little meows that i've (gasps) never heard him make before like you know he was speaking back yeah they were having a conversation and so then i'm like i like turn the tv down and i'm like listening and my neighbor's like hi ollie you're such a handsome boy are you having a (gasps) good day and ollie would go meow 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 and they just stood there and talked to each other for like I don't know. It was like 10 minutes. It was the best thing I've ever heard in my life. So the cutest yeah. thing I have ever heard. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sir, you, I will bring you banana bread. I will check your mail when you're out of town. I will water your plants. Like you are now my favorite person on the face of the planet. That is so adorable. Ollie, Ollie's making friends on the outside. Ollie's made plans. <laughs> yeah. He is a very handsome boy. So I completely he is understand. a handsome boy. But yeah, I mean, they were having a full on like boy chat. You know, I was like, it's probably good for him to have a male role model in his life. <laughs> He's not getting it around here. So that is yeah. too cute. That made my day. Oh, my gosh. Same. Did you find any interesting facts out about the sign of the twisted candles in your backstory research? I suspect you did. I feel like this one I has did. some like juicy meat to it. My favorite thing is trying to find fun facts that will surprise you. Um, And I did not find any fun facts specific to this book. Okay. However, I did find Nancy Drew fun facts for you. So last week, you may recall, I regaled you with Mildred, the author of the first seven books. Yes. How she kind of like rage quit and was like, you're not going to pay me enough, like I'm out. And then they replaced her Mm -hmm. with Walter Carrick, who became Carolyn Keene. Mm -hmm. And we had a brief conversation around how much money do you think that she was making and do you think that Walter made more? And I was not able to find Walter's salary, but I was able to find on a website called Mental Floss, I found... Mildred Burt Benson's salary. Oh, no way. For these books. Do tell. So 
She was reportedly paid somewhere between $125 to $250 for each book that she wrote. So she got like a flat fee of $125 and then she would receive one fifth of the royalties from each book. Interesting. Yes. Which like. That's not a bad royalty. Is that, but like that flat fee, $125 to, I don't. Yeah. But I, mean, I guess it was a, a it was a different time. It was a different time. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, I'm guessing it was probably a couple thousand dollars today. So still like not very much for writing an entire novel. Yeah. But she was cranking them out pretty fast. So I guess it stacked up. But anyway, that's my fun fact for you. Um, tracked that down. Interesting. Um, the other fun fact that I found also for Mental Floss. Mm-hmm. So when... Mr. Stratemeyer was cooking up the the concept for these books. Several different names were thrown out for this female sleuth character. And I will tell you what they were. I've never heard any of these. Okay, go ahead. And they are, uh, spoiler alert, they are all alliterative. Which I'm very curious why we went with Nancy Drew because it is not alliterative. But we had Diana Dare as an option. Mm, Okay. Stella Strong. Boo. Nan Nelson. Mm-mm, too close to Ned Nickerson. And I actually really like this last one. You'll see why. Helen Hale. Mm, okay. So I, like I wonder that. if I wonder if our Helen is an homage to. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know. I like but that I, though. Like it's not quite as on the nose as like Diana Dare or Stella Strong, but like Hale, right. Hale and Hardy. Like okay. Yes. I liked Helen Hale. Mm-hmm. Um. But, and I also kind of liked Nan Nelson because you always called Nancy Nan. And I was like, that's cute. That's Kelly's, that's your pet name for her. Um, The other fun fact related to this is that the translations of these books in different countries, the character has different names. Okay. So in France, the French edition of these books, the character's name is Alice Roy. Really? Like, so not even close. No. The best one in Sweden, her name is Kitty Drew. Oh, I love that. Which I super love. She's mm. Paula Drew in Finland, which I don't love. No. And then in Norway, the series is just called Miss Detective. They still her name is still Nancy Drew in the actual contents of the uh-huh. book, but it's called the Miss Detective series. Oh. I kind of I kind of don't hate that. And, and, so, and it and then, feels very Nordic to me. Like, is aren't um, yes. the girl with the dragon tattoo books, aren't those Nordic or are those Swedish? But like, the, anyway, it doesn't remember. matter. Like, that feels very like, I don't know. The land is cold and we cut to the chase. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, so the one that's the most different, apparently in the German editions of these books, she is a law student mm. and her name is completely different. It's Suzanne Langen weird but i like that she's a law student i do too i'm like that i we should have had more of that and starting to feel very alias to me indeed so she has lots of different identities Hmm. and then the very last fun fact i have for you so i dug this one up on the internet mr stratemeyer owner of the the stratemeyer syndicate Mm -hmm. nefarious corporation syndicate yes it, indeed. He wrote all the outlines for these books and okay. then passed the outlines to the ghostwriter. So this kind of answers some of the questions. And our friend Megan was texting us about this. We're like, there is definitely 
mm-hmm. a repeated structure yeah, to these books. And sure. so that kind of makes sense. Apparently, this man was not a feminist at all. And, like, had said on several occasions, a woman's place is in the home. And so that is why mm. it is so shocking that he is the person who <laughs> is kind of behind these. And allegedly, the reason that he, being not a feminist, uh, we'll phrase it that way, <laughs> he had had so much success with the Hardy Boys that he's like, let's rinse and repeat this, but for a different audience. Oh, so the and Hardy so, Boys came first. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I'm like that, you know what, though, like, even if he did not have, he was not here for the right reasons. I like that Mildred was like, I'm going to flesh out. Yeah, I'm going to run with this. Yes. Like, I'm going to take your outline and we're going to make her a powerhouse. So, yeah. um, Although it does, like, it does make sense that, like, there, there are a lot of very, there, there, we've talked about this a little bit where there are things that it's like, this seems contrary to nancy's character you know like yes she's so strong and she's so brave and she's so outgoing why isn't she doing this this doesn't make sense right so that kind of adds up one thing i just i'm sure there is not an answer to this but i was thinking about the last book this this past week and i was wondering like so ned nickerson appeared in the clue in the diary for the first time and like we got a big hearty har har at the end of it because he like asked nancy to be like his steady boo and she's like "Mm, you can work with me if another mystery comes up right yep we'll see yep right we'll see and uh then all of a sudden he's back in the next one which was nancy's mysterious letter so that is ned's second appearance and it's the first one that's written by walter carrig so i i was like i wonder if Ned was always going to be the, like, regular guy after that? Or if Walter just was like, let's let's stop the boyfriend rotation. I'm just going to use this guy that already exists. Like, out of just, like, you know, utility. Yeah, maybe. But if, you know, if what you're saying, you know, you're saying that Stratemeyer wrote the outline. So presumably, like, it wasn't Walter's decision. So. I think also... Walter was really stoked to write like the twenty eight hundred page football scene, and he's Clearly. like, "We gotta have, we gotta have Ned." Clearly, <laughs> it's a lot of football. Um, anyway, I've I have one more fun fact for you, but I I'm gonna wait on the other one oh, for later in this episode, so you have something to look forward to. Oh I will well, I will it. look forward to it. Excellent. And what I've been looking forward to, Kelly. Yes, Karen. The one sentence plot submission. Have you oh, chosen a winner for this? I have book? chosen a winner. And once again, oh. we had several good contenders in this. So, like, no whammies, keep them coming. But we did have a winner. And our winner this week is at Megan Flannery, who said, Nancy could tell these were authentic handcrafted candles made from the tears of hipsters based solely on the impressiveness of the maker's beard. <laughs> and oh, was she right? Like, I'm sorry. Asa Sydney was the original hipster. He, oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like inventing new candle techniques. When he like gets mad at his boss, he's like, I'll just go work on a boat for a while. Like it is the I'm sure he probably had bees in his backyard. Like he did. Yeah. He did have bees for sure. Yeah. that is, I love this. Yeah. Maybe that is why 
I was thinking like an Airbnb experience. I mean, this is getting very artisanal and I like it. it. You're you're totally right. It did have an air of the artisanal about it for sure. So, and then you find out that like, not only is it like artisanal handcrafted specialty twisted candles, but also we've got like wood carving with like secret passageways and hidden compartments and pop out drawers and yeah. So yeah, it's all very... Artisanal is the only way to put it. He's what we call a hashtag maker. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first time I've ever heard that phrase. So hashtag I'm old. So Um, well, Karen, it's time for today's super fast plot. And this is my final birthday gift to you. And I love you so much. It was your week, but. I wrote the super fast plot, but you still have to read it. Thank you so much. It is the greatest gift of all time. (laughs) I was like, if she's doing her birthday weekend right, she's hungover right now. And (laughs) her her plot is going to be like, Nancy did some stuff, the end. And I just figured I would help you. Yeah. (laughs) You... uh are truly the best well and please make a note of this in your calendar so that when mid-august rolls around you can yes you can return the favor done and done perfect all right here we go super flat super fast plot overview written by kelly read by moi at the request of mrs marvin and mrs fane nancy bess and george drive out to the sign of the twisted candles an inn and restaurant to check on the owner old Mr. Asa Sidney, who is a, like, great-great-uncle or something to both George and Bess. There's concern that he's being mistreated and potentially robbed by the inn's caretakers, the Gemmets, and, spoiler alert, he is, and they're horrible. On their arrival, Nancy and co. meet the Gemmets' foster daughter, Carol, who works at the restaurant and is mistreated horribly by her guardians. The only person who she really loves is Mr. Sidney, who is confined by age to a room in a tower. Carol reveals that it's Mr. Sidney's 100th birthday, and Nancy decides they will all celebrate with him despite the protests of evil Mr. Gemmett. We learn that Mr. Sidney has had a sad life, and the results of it have created a major feud between his family, the Sidneys, and his deceased wife's family, the Boontons. Side note, George and Bess are both Boontons. And in spite of his meager living conditions, Mr. Sidney has loot. He was an inventor and Chandler, a candle maker, and he made a ton of money at the expense of his family life, sadly. Back at home later that evening, as Nancy recounts the story of her trip, Carol calls and asks for Carson to come first thing the next morning. Mr. Sidney has requested that a new will be drawn up. Carson agrees and Nancy will go along for the ride. The next day, a new will is drawn up and witnessed by the president of a nearby bank. As the ink is drying, feuding relatives show up to contest this new will, but it's too late. While there, Nancy witnesses Mr. Gemmett bury a box that she knows to be Ace's, and she and Carson catch the Gemmets in the act of stealing Ace's mail containing stock dividends. Asa also reveals to Carson and Nancy that, many years before, he built secret cabinets and hidey holes all over the house marked with twisted candles, in which he stashed a bunch of valuables, but he can't remember where they all are. He asks Nancy to see what she can find, but says to keep it on the DL so that the Gemmets don't find out what she's doing. Later, Nancy goes to see Bess and George, who ice her out because she's trying to steal their inheritance from them. Insane. Unfortunately, Asa dies that night in his sleep. 
Carson locks down the house and stations guards there to prevent the feuding relatives from looting the joint and tells the Gemmets to move out. At the reading of the will, Asa Sidney leaves some money to all of his family, but leaves the lion's share to Carol, the random little orphan girl. The family is displeased and threatened to contest the will. Remember, the family includes George, Bess, and their parents. The next day, while Nancy and Carol continue to search for hidden treasure, the Gemmets continue to loot the house and then leave in the dark of night. There are chases and pursuits, but ultimately the Gemmets disappear, abandoning their ward, Carol. Carol comes back to the Drew's house to protect her. The next day, Ned and Nancy return to the house to continue searching for hidden compartments, and while they're there, a mysterious dude drugs Nancy with a smelling salt type situation and hides her body under a bed. When she comes to, she and Ned track the guy to a boarding house and have him arrested. His name is Mr. Krill, and he confirms he's working with the Gemmets, but he won't say more. Nancy, Bess, and George make up when Bess and George apologize for being jerks, and they all go back to the inn to search for more hidden treasure. While they're there, Nancy discovers a hidden compartment in a desk that contains a letter addressed to Carol. Immediately after, she gets a call from Hannah, saying that Carol has been kidnapped, presumably by the Gemmets. Nancy and Carson go to the jail to question Mr. Krill, who reveals where the Gemmets have a hideout near the river. When they get there, no one is home, but they do find a box of stolen items. Nancy opens one box and a copperhead pops out. She is fine, but Kelly is not. Nancy thinks that the Gemmets may have Carol back at the inn to look for more treasure. When they arrive, Nancy and Carson split up, total rookie move, and Nancy discovers the crooks and Carol up in the tower where Ace's room was. She climbs a huge ladder to listen at the window. Carol sees her and screams, alerting Mr. Gemmet, who tries to push Nancy off the ladder. But luckily, Carson bursts in and saves Nancy and detains the Gemmets, who are later arrested. Nancy calls an emergency meeting of the feuding family members. Once they arrive, Nancy shows them the letter that Asa left, which reveals that Carol is his something but a relative to all these people. They're suddenly fine with her getting all the money since it's in the family, and Mrs. Marvin and Mrs. Fane both volunteer to take her in, although they'll send her to boarding school most of the year. The end. Hey sis, while you were reading that, even though I wrote it, I had an epiphany. <gasps> yes, what was it? So I, I'm, I don't think this is entirely like to be blamed on the Nancy Drew books, but I am wondering now if any of my terror of snakes has to do with these books, given that oh, twice in nine books now, there have been horrifying, horrifying surprise snake incidents, like like attacks. Yeah, like. Me, did I think this was going to be more of a problem because of these books? <gasps> I think you... Uh, this makes a lot of sense as your, like, superhero origin story. How snakes became your kryptonite. <laughs> this is my origin story. I was, Interesting. I was just, like, fat, dumb, and happy reading my Nancy Drew books, like, never thinking about a snake. And then all of a sudden there are copperheads jumping out of boxes. And I'm like, this is going to be a problem. It's like... You know, you think that, like, anvils falling out of the sky are going to be a bigger problem when you're five. <laughs> you know? Like, I've never once had a grand piano fall on me, but I thought that was a pretty common occurrence. This is fast. I wonder if... Uh, well, I didn't read as many of these as you did, though, so I don't th think this explains my ghost fear, but I think... There have been you're... many ghosts already. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know, Kelly. I could be onto something. I feel like I just went to, like... I, I feel like this is the equivalent of, like, eight years of therapy for me right now. Hey, well, 
I'll send you the bill. <laughs> Just comp it for me, okay? Like, remember how I wrote the plot? Come on. You're right. Do you're right. Solid. Approved. Pro bono. Yeah. Um, other than the terrifying snake attack, yeah. how did you feel about this book? What are your general thoughts and musings? I loved it. I loved yes. it. Did you like it? I loved it, too. Oh, my gosh. I really good. did. Yes, I loved it. Like, I think this might be my favorite one yet. Me too. I agree completely. Yeah. Um, like, even though, in spite of the fact that it had, like, all of the, like, tropes that we've gotten really accustomed to, like, mocking in these books, like, for example, financial crime, a last-minute mm-hmm. will, an abused mm-hmm. elder who also is an inventor, an orphan, <laughs> etc. Um, it just felt, like, different and exciting and yeah. You know, there, like, was not a ton of car driving around. I completely agree. I I also thought this was the best one yet. I could not put yes. it down. Um, I love when it, we agree on these things. I do, too. And, you know, what's interesting is, like, the mystery was pretty straightforward. Yeah. I was not shocked by no. the resolution, but I didn't care because the story was interesting and the characters mm-hmm. made sense. And I liked that there were little puzzles to solve all yeah. over the place. Yeah, it didn't um, get boring. Like, the last one got super boring. Like, this one wasn't sure. boring. I desperately would love to see Gordon Ramsay do a Hotel Hell episode of <laughs> this inn, though, is <laughs> the thing that I'm looking for. Yes, yes. Well, I Karen, when we open our him. hotel, <laughs> we'll invite him over. I don't know. Not not for me. I, I can't. I would last two seconds with Gordon Ramsay criticizing me. I would just cry the second I saw his face. Oh, I, so. for sure. <laughs> for sure. I would be like, listen, we are going to have you come over because, well, none of us have any experience in the hospitality industry. So we probably need your help. But second of all, um, I, Karen is going to cry when you walk through the door. And that is going to make yep. me laugh really hard. So... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I will say, like, once again, pretty much all of the food in this book sounds repulsive. Just Can you remind me what the foods were? There was, like, a lot of consomme and, like, it just, like, the, the 100th birthday food that she picks, which we'll talk about later, but, like, she picks this 100th, 100th birthday food, like, for him. And it all sounds like something that you you would like they would put in front of you at the hospital and you would push it away and say no thanks i'm full you know like i'd rather starve yes yeah. i'm good yeah. um one one that i remember clearly and i did look up like what this was was toward the end and it was potted ham and just i googled that too just the sound of like just the just the words potted ham next to each other made me like angrier than i've ever been in my life <laughs> So I was like, I must look this up. And I just assumed it was canned ham. I I thought the same thing. Yeah. I was like, it's ham in a can. Yeah. Um, I'm like, wait, but did why you don't hear what just I just said? What'd I you said, say? I said, I was Han trying to say ham, ham in a cam. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we should we should bring back tinned meat, and I mean it's never gone away, but like we should really reinvigorate the twin, the the twind, the trend, and we can call it hand in a cam (laughs) and we can serve it with tinned bread we can serve it with tinned bread and you know fruit salad um but yeah so So potted ham 
I need you to explain it because I Googled it and I saw the picture and I was like, I don't get it. It's basically from from the little bit of like recipe reading I did, which to be fair, are all like modern recipes. So who knows what it actually was back in the 30s. But like at least now potted ham, it's first of all, like it appears to be a very British thing. So I'm not sure okay. how like Hannah has gotten hip to the groovy news on this. But potted ham seems to be a mechanism to preserve slash use up ham like so you make a ham for like dinner and then you have leftover ham because you can never eat a whole ham so then you like chop it shred it whatever you mix it with melted butter and a whole bunch of spices and i think vinegar and then you like pack it down in ramekins and like individual serve ramekins and refrigerate and then you eat it cold like with bread potentially so I, do you dig it out of that like congealed butter or do yes. you eat the okay so you don't eat like no you eat the butter that. oh like that's like Ooh. the binder it's it's like a a meaty little jello situation <gasps> oh god yeah no but with butter i mean apparently it's delicious because individually the sum of its parts are all delicious like butter good ham good <laughs> spice is good it's it, i think it's the phraseology for me of potted ham that i'm like pass full pass well and the brief googling that i did of this too i saw that this was also a common treatment for storage of leftover seafood which made me oh god want to die <laughs> oh no <laughs> leftover seafood shouldn't be words that are put together like no if you don't no. eat all the seafood, then your it's cat done. has a good night. You know what I mean? Like, like, no. That is not, you are not taking home sushi in a doggy bag. Like, no. it's done. No. So that that unsettled Woof. me deeply. <laughs> um, well, should we plunge in? Please, let's. I'm going to start, as per usual, with classic mystery elements. Hooray! My and, favorite. I mean, there aren't, like... We're not going to, like, beat all of the dead horses here, okay? I mean, we're going to leave those on Shadow Ranch. We're going to talk <laughs> about the new and fun ones. But, okay, some mystery elements. Let me just start off with saying this. In the investigatory nature of this book, we start off, as you mentioned in the super fast plot, which I'm keenly aware of because I wrote it. I just want to bring that up again. Um, <laughs> Mrs. Fane and Mrs. Marvin and their two daughters are all relatives of, I guess it's technically M- Mr. Sidney, Asa Sidney's wife. Yes. So they are descended down that chain. Um, they, the, the mothers, send Nancy, George, and Bess out to, I'm going to call it the Twisted Candle Inn because I simply cannot refer to it as the sign of the Twisted Candle this whole episode. I so, approve. Twisted Candle approved. Inn to check on Mr. Sidney, right? They, here we go, like, seriously underestimating our girl Nan. Like, has she not proven her capabilities? They they send her out there to be like, check on Asa, make sure he's not being abused, et cetera, et cetera. But they have, never occurs to them that they're going to, like, stumble into and find out all of this stuff about this family feud. They're so totally true. shocked when it happens. And yep, I'm like, yep. ladies, ladies, ladies. Have we learned nothing? Pick up a paper, you know? I mean, thank you. She is, she is the sleuth of, I was going to say the sleuth of Easttown, but 
River Heights. That's where she is. <laughs> um, so anyway, just got to gotta start off with an eye roll there. So anyway. Um, yep, yep. Once again, we have a damsel in distress, Carol Whipple. We um, do. Karen, I literally wrote down in my notebook when they said something about, she she says, like, my foster parents. And I wrote down, oh, my God, is she an orphan? She is. Do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here we go. We've got another down on her luck young orphan girl. How old was Carol? I got, I figured that she was, like, what, 15, 16, like, a little bit younger than Nancy but that's what I was envisioning. Yeah. Like, I think she's a teen, but she's younger than yeah. our girl sleuth, our, our teen sleuth. Yeah. I, so I was like 14, 15 was okay. my guess. Okay, perfect. So that's kind of what I thought. Like, she still needed foster parents, but like, yeah, she still needed guardians. But um, she's she's a secret family member. Nobody knows she's part of the family. Um I don't entirely know why once Asa figured out that she was a descendant, she's like a great niece or something. I don't, I couldn't figure, I was like, I don't want to draw this family tree, but she's, you know, you, and again, you said it like there, there was, um, somebody from the Sydney family, somebody from the Schmuggler family, the, 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 yeah, the wife's family, Mm -hmm. the Boontons, the Crookshank family, the Boontons. There we go. Okay. Um, and even though there was this feud, they fell in love, they get married, they have this secret child that nobody knows about, the parents get killed in a car accident, the baby is discovered, but they don't know that she, they don't know who she belongs to, they don't know that she has any family, so she goes to this orphanage. So Asa figures it out. Why does he not tell anybody that, hey, like, guess what? We have another relative. I don't, I don't know. And he was, like, living in the same house with her the whole time, right. but did, I, that didn't make sense to me. I also don't understand... And maybe I missed something, but she is, like, she's a baby. Uh-huh. Her parents die in this car accident, uh-huh. but she is discovered then. Someone leaves her on an altar in a church. Yeah, I I too Who? was confused. <laughs> Who put this baby on the altar? And, like, how did she, like, I... I don't know. The, How the did only, she get there? The only thing I could, fa- I, I like went back and scoured this book for more clues about that because I'm like, huh? Um, they did say that she was like one and a half or two when, when this happened. So I'm like, I don't know. Maybe she toddled out of the wreckage of the car where she wasn't wearing a seatbelt because those hadn't been invented yet. And toddled to the altar where she was yelling give me sanctuary precisely (laughs) exactly how i pictured it yes her first full sentence covered in blood like full-on like straight out of dexter yeah yeah i was like how how did she get to the altar i i don't know yeah i was like this i don't understand what's happening right now also how did nobody put two and two together like i don't know maybe this baby has something to do with those dead people over there, like, you know, two blocks away. I don't know. It just seems crazy to me, but whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. Final question on this front. Like, and this this was, like, you know, the crux of the problem, right? And many problems in this book is that at the last minute, it literally, the psychological moment, Karen. Indeed. Or the 11th hour or whatever is the appropriate, you know, whatever to use here. Um, Asa is, like call the attorney i need to change my will and then i'm gonna die like 10 hours later why did he wait so long to write her into the will oh that is a i had not even 
thought about that. That's a great like, question. This is poor planning on your part. You're like, I'm going to wait until I'm 102 days old. And then I'm going to set my will to rights. You know what? Here's my theory. I have a theory. Please share. I bet he had a will that was much more equally divided. Uh-huh. Originally. Uh-huh. And I bet Carol was still, there was going to be a Carol reveal and she was going to get like one eighth of it or whatever the, uh-huh. you know, yeah. her fraction was. And then I think as he got close to his 100th birthday, I think he was upset with how all of his relatives were behaving because he keeps saying like oh these people are really crawling out of the woodwork all of a sudden now that Fair. i'm gonna kick the bucket soon so i think he was like you know what y'all haven't come to visit me mm-hmm. in like two years and now you're and now vultures. i'm on yeah yeah and now i'm on death's doorstep and you're acting like the worst so guess what now you get nothing and carol have a wonderful life i i, I accept that i that okay i like to think that he was this maybe sounds weird, but like I, I do like to think that maybe he was being retaliatory, not yeah, finally generous. Them. Yeah, yeah. I think he was being punitive. That he was like, I, I refuse to reward this despicable behavior. Good for him. I yeah, I liked him. Um, okay, next, and this is my favorite thing ever. Like we've talked okay. about it before. This is a slightly different take on it, but it's my favorite. We have a mansion full of hidden nooks and crannies and hidden compartments and desks and like treasure behind pop out bricks and walls. And like, I love it. Why have there been zero hidden compartments in my life? Oh, that's all I I want. That's all I want. agree. I know. I know. Like, how bad do you want to like go outside to plant a new tomato or no strawberries? That's what you're growing. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, toodling around in your garden and then you're like i just found a time capsule like yeah wouldn't that be awesome it would be amazing i mean uh, what i also would love is if my strawberries yielded more than one strawberry at a time <laughs> which is currently my yield and it's really difficult like i'm I've, eat, I've eaten You'll my crop i've eaten my whole crop by the time i hit the back porch um <laughs> but yes uh i mean on a side note like my favorite thing ever reading the babysitter's club books which you know i love those too was claudia's fake book that she had she hid like her candy in she hid her contraband in and like i loved that i don't know why i love a hidden compartment so much i mean so so this may and maybe i'm just not remembering but like we've had several examples of like hidden stairways hidden passages blah 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 but like this is like a full-on like Mrs. Piggle Wiggle situation where like I have stashed Piggle treasure. Wiggle. I love that book. Those books. They were the best. But like she you know th- who, she had that in her house. You know who else is a classic stasher of items? Um Lane Kim in the Gilmore Girls. Yes, she is. She had a full on like music collection under the floorboards. She did. And mm-hmm. I loved that. She was like, Rory, let's listen to some punk rock music. And she'd like pop up the floorboard and she was like, welcome to my underground record store. Yeah, she did. And that was badass. <laughs> also, when you just said Rory, I immediately pictured Lane Kim. And my cat. And your cat. <laughs> and I was like, that's not the Rory she means. But I'm sure. Um, Moving right along, let's talk about the Gemmets, which is my least favorite last name ever because I still can't remember it. I'm having to check my notepad right now, but... I had a hard time saying that, and I had a hard time saying Boonton. Boonton. And I know. Every time I saw Boonton, my brain read it as Bontoon. Bontoon. That's a better one. That, Which I kind of like better. That rolls off a little bit better. 
But, so the but Jemets. The, but the Bontoons are a very different type of people than the Boontons. They are. Like, the Bontoons are from Louisiana. <laughs> yes, the Bontoons live on a houseboat. The Bontoons love catfish. Yep. The Boontons live at a yacht club. Like, it's a different situation. <laughs> yes. Not saying one's better or one's worse. I'm just saying where you the emphasis you put on which syllable means something. It, it changes your your characterization. I, yes. I hear you. I hear you. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. I put I took you down the the garden path. We you were here to talk about the gemmets. We're talking about the gemmets. So they're eavesdroppers. They get caught eavesdropping like Constantly. so many times. Yep. I mean, you know, learn your lesson, people. You know, how many times? To- you know, sh- fool me once. My favorite eavesdropping was uh, Mrs. Gemmett was eavesdropping. They're in the inn, and she's eavesdropping on Nancy and Carol uh-huh. in the restaurant. Yeah. And Nancy, like, knows that she's back there, and the, the door to the kitchen is, like, those kind of swinging saloon doors. Yes. And Nancy just straight up goes to the door and, like, hits her with the door. <laughs> yes. And Mrs. Gemmett's like, ah! Oh! And Nancy's like, oh, oh fancy sorry. seeing you here. Didn't know there was somebody back here. <laughs> <laughs> mm, love it, Nancy. That made me that made me straight up lol. I was like, that's awesome. That was a good one. That was that was a very Walter move. Yeah. Indeed. Um, but like these guys, I mean, we've seen a lot of types of villains, okay? These people are straight up like abusive. Like evil. Yeah. They are whipping Carol for information with a full on whip. I'm like, what is happening right now? And a hairbrush. Yeah. Yeah, they they hit Nancy. She hits Nancy with a hairbrush. That I love that part where Nancy like grabs the hairbrush out of her hand and then it's like, "Do you know do you know who my dad is?" She's like, "I will call you will go to jail for this." Yeah, she's like, "Yeah, your, woman... your dad's doctor so and so." And she goes, "No, my dad's Carson Drew." Bitch. And the lady immediately falls to the ground mm-hmm. apologizing yeah. and cannot backpedal hard enough. Mm-hmm. Like, "Please don't tell anyone I hit you with a hairbrush." Thank you. <laughs> and also, just to be clear, Mrs. Jemmett knows who Nancy is. She didn't recognize her, but she knows her name. Like, yes. why don't you go talk to Bess and George's mom, who should definitely know what Nancy... I'm like, they're just underestimating her because they knew her when she was two years old. Like, uh, get on board. Yep, yep, yep. Nancy knows how to skin dive. <laughs> she um, sure does. She does. Um, we got more mail fraud. Yep. We have the Gemmets literally like stealing Ace's money that's full of uh stock dividend. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um full on looting. Just Which Carson, I wrote this down. You probably did too. Carson refers to their looting as systematic pilfering, Ooh. which is such a good phrase. Yeah, I didn't write that down. That's good. Yeah. Because mm. they were just like nipping little Yep. Treasures here and there. Slow but quietly, steady. Quietly, one at a time. Yep. yep. Uh, they've got an old man locked in a tower, like full-on mm-hmm. witch and Rapunzel style. <laughs> like yes. sliding them bologna sandwiches under the door. I'm sorry, potted ham sandwiches under the door. Um, <laughs> you know, Nancy, okay, this, this was the one where it was like, oh, if I didn't know any better, I would think like this is the end of the Nancy Drew books. Um, when she gets, when Nancy and Ned are at the mansion and they separate, which I'm like, please watch a horror movie. Just one time. Never split up. Don't do, split do up. Do not split up. Um, they split up. Uh, Ned goes on his merry little way and Nancy runs into a guy who drugs her. 
Mm -hmm. And as he is drugging her, he says something like, yeah, they told me that you know too much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A.K.A., like, what's your end game, bro? Like, you need to kill her then. Like, if she knows too much, like, temporarily. But I guess he was supposed to kidnap her, right? And then I he think got so. foiled. Well, and I'm worried for her, too, because she also got chloroformed in the last book yes. and blacked out. And I did not Google this, but that cannot be good for you to no. be getting chloroformed this On frequently. The yeah. Yeah. Like, not good. No, no. Um, they try to push her out the window on a ladder. That would have mm-hmm. hurt. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, not good. And, th- and then they kidnap Carol. So, you know, these guys are, like, not messing around. Um, they've got henchmen. They, th- they like, send this letter to call off the guards that he falls for. I mean, the guards suck in this book. I'm like, who is paying you? Yeah. Um, but last, we have to talk about using okay. a snake as a <laughs> I knew it as a guardian system I knew it I knew it <laughs> which I'm trying not to swear on this podcast because you know in case there are young or Nancy Drew fans but up and coming Nancy Drew fans listening you know I don't want to scandalize their parents but like Karen what the H-E double hockey sticks is up with the snakes I mean really I, that was a shocking moment in this book yes it was completely it's, out of nowhere yes it startled me as well. And I thought of you immediately. And I'm like, I hope Kelly is okay. <laughs> I mean, that being said, if you ever find yourself without a lock, it, it is a snake an in there. <laughs> excellent, like an excellent security mechanism. I mean, if you're willing to pick up a snake and put it in right. the thing you're trying to protect. Right. Which I'm, I'm not, so no. it's not excellent. <laughs> I mean, where, where does one even go to be, be like, I need a copperhead real quick? Like, the snake store. Just go just go to the poisonous snake store? I, I think so. <sighs> well, I do. <laughs> Your ha- favorite store. Uh, it just, I was like, this is unnecessary, but it had to go in. So anyway, I mean that, you know, I, I think, I think the biggest thing we saw was the, um, like the the code incorporated the the code of the twisted candles being like engraved on or showing up in the places where there's like treasure hidden. So it was like this real old school, like hidden compartment treasure hunt, which was awesome. So anyway, that's what I, I the one thing that we can talk about this more in friends and dating, perhaps. But Ned was a little slow on the uptake when it came to the signs of the twisted candle. He comes with Nancy to this house. Mm -hmm. She fully explains to him, there's treasure hidden all over this house. Mm -hmm. Here's what you need to do. (laughs) We will know there is treasure hidden in a place because there will be this sign of the twisted candle on it. And not a page later, Ned hollers to Nancy and says, Nancy, I found that sign you mentioned. You think we should... You think we should dig it up? I'm like, yes, Ned. Yes. She's like, yeah, honey, I do. She her actual response it goes uh huh says Nancy <laughs> perfect she she's like uh huh inside yes. Nancy was thinking John McBride would have already started digging yes and I would have never had to explain this to him mm-hmm. so Ned lost a point for me on that one yeah. but I do like that he's like you're the boss yeah 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 I, I found the I'll, thing you told me to find like what do you want to do what's the next step yeah yeah. And, and he point. was he was Johnny on it. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about it in our next section. You you carry on. That probably leads okay. us well into your into your take. So 
It does. It does. So real world River Heights. Well done. AKA, Good job. Thank you. I said it very mm. deliberately. AKA friends and dating. I have kind of two main topics that mm. I would like to discuss here. Hit me. First of all, well, we're going to talk about Ned, but first I want to talk about WTF happened with Bess and George. Mm. I was very distressed. So as we have discussed, Bess and George's family stand to inherit some money from this old candle maker Mm -hmm. who is now deceased. And their families are part of this River Heights feud between the competing families. And because Carson is representing this old man, Mm -hmm. and because Carson is the attorney that witnesses and helps him draw up his new will, George and Bess completely turn their backs on Nancy and they're mm-hmm. like, you're the worst. Mm-hmm. Your dad is going to cost our family all of this money that should have been ours. And they are so mean yeah. to her. They're fu- they're nasty. She, Nancy cried in this book because Bess was so mean to her. It's the first time, like Nancy has been through some stuff. Yes, she has. She has never cried. No. She cries because Bess is so mean to her her friends completely ice her out as she said she's been she's been in a situation locked in a closet where she thought she was going to starve to death and she was thinking about like how to use the lever system to get out of it like there were no tears yes Yes. like uh, her friends made her cry they completely abandoned her which was shocking to me i i wasn't so surprised with george because let's be real i I agree i was like george isn't a gentle soul no Bess. Well, and I could even see them like, you know, tail between the legs coming out and being like, our parents don't want us to hang out with you anymore. Like, right. you know, and like, we don't agree and we're going to work on them. But like right now they're mad and da, 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 da. But like, no, they were fully part of the anger moment. And they were. I mean, Okay. So, so this is one of the reasons why I both loved and Ned lost points for me is Ned is looking for Nancy and he can't find her. She's not, nobody's answering the phone at her house. So he eventually calls Bess to find out if she knows where Nancy is. And and Ned says she was about as friendly as an ice cube, <laughs> which made me laugh really hard because I'm like, there's the Ned I've grown to love in three books. But also like you are mixing your metaphors so bad, bro. Like, Ice cubes are not friendly. Ice cubes are cold. So the appropriate phrase would be, she was about as warm as an ice cube, is what you were you looking for, buddy. so right. Um, <laughs> any, but I was like, Ned, I love you. So, But still hilarious. Yeah, still hilarious. Still hilarious. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he, was, maybe he was like, maybe he said it intentionally to be funny. I don't know. I don't know Ned that well yet. We're getting to know each other. And we are. It, we're, it, it, we're the whole thing sucked because... I was actually liking Bess and George a lot better in this book up until that happened. Yes, I agree. Like it was the first time that nobody mentioned Bess's weight. We didn't hear one time that like Bess oh. was overweight or plump or anything else. Nobody talked about her physical appearance in this book. Um, and George wasn't being like overtly mean and nasty to her. And I was like, yep. okay, okay, okay. We're turning a corner here. And then we've got Nancy like alone in her convertible crying crying i okay i will just say this and i'll say it fast and then we'll move on helen would never have done that to nancy helen would never have done this no nope nope 
Moving on. Mm -hmm. So, Ned Nickerson, here Mm -hmm. is the fun fact that I promised you. (laughs) What? This is from the same source that I mentioned previously. What was it? What was it called? Mental Floss. Mm -hmm. Kelly, it's possible that we did not invent the boyfriend bracket. (laughs) Unacceptable. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But but just wait. But just wait. So I'm just going to read this direct quote from Mental Floss. When Nancy finally got to go to college in 1995. So the 1995 editions were called Nancy Drew on Campus. It's like a series that we shall have to read. Yeah, we shall. The readers were invited to call a 1-800 number to vote on whether Nancy should keep dating Ned or start playing the field. The readers overwhelmingly voted for a new boyfriend and the rest of the series featured a new boyfriend named Jake. I'm, I know. <laughs> I'm speechless right now. I know. I know. I I know. <laughs> but that's so amazing. That was like they got to that was vote like on... I mean the boyfriend bracket is primitive compared to that. That was like early days like American Idol. Uh, totally. Or like what was the the MTV music video show where you could call and they'd play a music video? Like the readers yes. by popular demand got to pick Nancy's next boyfriend, wow. which is and and the this article the point of it was the the headline for this fun fact was ned nickerson has not always been so popular with the readers like the readers were like we're done with ned like mm-hmm. we're bored now well who who else is out there so huh. um interesting that is my fun fact the, that's a great the thing, fun fact well done there was a line in this book kind of early on that surprised me. So the phone rings in the house, mm-hmm. the, the Drew household. Nancy assumes it's going to be Ned. It's not. It's Carol that's calling. But uh, she is thinking. I don't think she said this out loud, but she thinks to herself, Ned, it, they say like Ned is Nancy's favorite date is how they dis- explain oh, who he right. is. Nancy's favorite date. Uh-huh. So to me, that implied that this is not a done deal yet. Like, she's not wearing no. his letter jacket yet. Favorite implies, of all of the dates, he is yes. her preferred, but it does not say her exclusive date. Correct. Mm-hmm. Or her sweetheart or her bae. It is her favorite date. Correct. If it said so I, her yeah. bae, I would Then we would know. Cried a thousand tears. Like, that would have been amazing. <laughs> Like, like, wow, Walter knew? was prescient about lingo. It was a, that word mm-hmm. originated in the Great Depression. Yeah. Um, and then kind of final thoughts on Ned. Mm-hmm. We we both agree on this. As previously discussed, we feel like he is supportive. He respects her opinion. He is a good protector mm-hmm. yet again in this book. Um, he's, you know, when he thinks that she has been kidnapped, mm-hmm. he immediately is on it. Yep. He's driving to the police station, like, going to take care of it. Yep. Um, here is where I got confused, though. Mm-hmm. Not so much a Ned thing, but Ned caused the confusion. When in time are I d- we? Thank you. I don't know. Karen, I actually did research on this to try to figure it out. I was so confused. Um, so what we and know... And the reason... Go ahead. Yeah. Like, the reason that I bring this up is the last book we were both... Like, oh, it's fall Thanksgiving yeah. and snowing. Yes. And in this book, it's we summer. learned that Ned is a camp counselor. Right. And he's currently camp counseling and they go swimming. Yeah. 
And I was trying to even think about, I, I was like, maybe, I wonder, like, is there a camp counselor situation, like, over spring break that maybe he was part of? Oh. But, like, he, he talks about at one point he has to leave to go back for football practice, like, because football practice is starting early this year. So it is clearly, I, okay, I looked this up because I don't know. Um, <laughs> college football, at least right now, um, in 2021 is like the season is roughly like end of August, September through December, oh. January. Okay. And practice usually starts in July. So it's definitely summertime. So has a year gone by? Yeah, It's been six months. Yeah, like it's we're in a whole new we're in the next summer. Yeah, like time has passed. Weird. Right, which is like you know, as opposed to the first seven books that all seem to happen within, like, days Five of days. each other. <laughs> yeah. Now we've got, like, months passing in between. So, I don't know. I I thought the same thing. I was like, I don't know. I think it's, like, summer. But anyway. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you for doing that research. I, I was. Karen. I wish I just like, knew football stuff off the top of my head. But I didn't. So, I Googled I, it. I think it's fine that you're not taking up hard drive space with that <laughs> we I, we solved a mystery we did um okay last friend of river heights mm-hmm. before we move on mm-hmm. lil carol mm-hmm. as i am calling her her lil rapper carol. name lil carol <laughs> she is an orphan um lil carol speaks like she is in a cult <laughs> say more <laughs> i was like help this poor child so she calls her, her the only parents she's ever known, the Gemmets. She refers to them as Mother Gemmet and Father Gemmet. And I'm like, oh, uh-uh. uh-uh. It like really like skewed me out. I didn't love that. Yeah. And the other thing I will say on this note, and then I'm curious for your thoughts. The whole Lil Carol situation just felt like the movie Annie. Where yeah. like Asa is Daddy Warbucks. That's like, you know. Yeah, protecting yeah. Protecting this orphan yeah. and giving her a ton of money. And the Gemmets are like, well, if we kidnap her, <gasps> then we'll get all oh, of her you're, money. Okay, all right. Yes, all right. Now that you had to talk me through it, but I'm like, okay. Yep. And like Carol, like Annie, is has been made a slave, essentially. They're yeah. like, we're going to treat you like garbage and abuse you. Yeah, and at you one point, gonna... she's literally mopping the floors till they shine like yeah. the Chrysler building. Exactly. Yeah. So she, I was like, is this Annie? I don't know, but... Tale as old as time yeah. was still interesting to read about. Well, like, because when you first said it, I was like, I mean, aren't all of the orphan situations like that then? But you're right. This one is specifically Annie-esque. Any thoughts on Lil Carol? I mean, my only question is, like, I found it really interesting that she is going to essentially be, like, not if not adopted by, like, fostered by her her family which we come to find out are like the the fanes and the marvins right so they're gonna take her in when she's not in boarding school which to your point like maybe they will deprogram her speech at boarding school (laughs) but um i'm like is she gonna show up again now that she's like living with two of our main characters is she gonna be like part of the girl gang or does she just disappear and like into helen verse and we never hear from her again Oh, that is a fantastic question. Yeah, like, because yeah, she could one be a junior detective. You would think she would be part of the crew now. Yeah. 
Because that would be incredibly rude for Nancy to be like, Beth and George, come over and have a sleepover. Carol's not invited. Yeah, don't bring Carol. <laughs> really yeah, cause, good cause question. Because like most, most of the young women that they get close to, that they help in these books, like they go off on their own. They, you know, they go back to Redgate Farm. They go off with their, you know, loving, wonderful foster family at the end of uh, the bungalow mystery i mean there's been like yeah. an orphan in almost every one of these books so this is the first one that's like sticking around town and she's like huh. close to home so i don't know let's see if we see carol again i'm down i'm down i will have my carol radar mm-hmm. ready so, little carol little lo- carol <laughs> with an apostrophe um <laughs> okay so section three today we're trying something new okay i'm trying something new so I, this section is entitled, It Would Have Been Awesome If. Yes. And this is a full, fully open to contribution, suggestion, et cetera. But I just, you know, I think we've kind of talked about this a little bit in other episodes, but like I kept writing notes down that then turned into this section. So this section. Is this like, is this like when I wanted there to be a magician? Correct. This is like... I love it. I wish this would have happened instead. So um, I've got a couple of changes today, okay? So one is like an alternate ending. We've got a few plot changes and deviations along the way. I think all of them can be encapsulated with, I'm wanting more psychological drama than physical stuff. So like... Okay. More like psychological stuff rather than like more car chases. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yep. So, like, that's my umbrella. So, my new ending, number one. It would have been awesome if Carol was in on it. So, it would have been so amazing if all along we thought little little Carol was this, like, defensive little, defenseless little orphan who had been, like, abused and manipulated by the system, had lost her parents, and just, like, a damsel in distress, which is ultimately what she is in the book. But it would have been awesome if we found out that she's like this little sociopath who <gasps> has been pulling the strings behind her guardians for years. Like maybe she's like blackmailing them with some information she found out early on. And she, you know, they come to take care of this house and she uh, figures out that Ace has got money. Maybe she's found some of the hidden compartments over the years. And she has manipulated Asa into loving her so that she can get written into the will. So, and maybe she even killed him once she knows that he's rewritten the will so that she can like lock in the changes before he gets hip to the groovy news. And like, who's going to suspect anybody of murdering a 100 year old man? Oh, Kelly. Mm. So like, I've got this, I've got this whole like scene in my head where like, it would be so cool to see Nancy get double crossed by somebody that she trusts. Yes. Which oh, is not that is such a yet. good point. Because she always makes these slapdash decisions. Mm-hmm. And they're about always people right. And is like, mm-hmm. she's like, that, she seems like a good person. And then she is a good person. Right. Oh, there's, this is so there's good. There's always very clear criminals, very clear good people. And it would be really interesting to see what would happen if, if one of the think, people she thinks is a good person turns out to be the criminal, the villain, like the big villain behind it. So, um, yeah. That is my number one, wouldn't it have been awesome if. Number two, wouldn't it have been awesome if one of the guards was the Gemmet's accomplice rather than some random guy that shows up on the scene 
out of nowhere for the first and only time just to drug Nancy. Oh, yes. Yes. Like it would have been uh, like yes. similar, right? Similar to like McCarroll's suggestion, but like it would have been really fun to watch like that realization wash over Nancy that this person that she's supposed to trust because he's a security guard that her father sent actually is in league with the criminals. Well, and what I love about both of these things you're suggesting too is that the psychology would continue because I think that would have a huge impact mm-hmm. on like Nancy's ego. Mm-hmm. And how she views and, the world. Yeah. Like she would have to do some serious adjusting of her mm-hmm. style and some serious soul searching mm-hmm. around how she's been approaching things. And I, I think that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. But now she's just like, I got to win. I got another win. I got another right. win. Just racking them up. And I like the idea of her having to take a step back. And, and I'm and not say, saying that Nancy can't win. Like, she could still, she could still win in these situations. Yes. Right. But, yeah. I just, she I would think, just have to work a little bit harder mm-hmm. to untangle. Oh, that's, mm-hmm. I love, I am with you. She, it, it would, I guess part of it is like, it would be interesting if she were a step behind once in a while, rather than always 10 steps ahead. Yeah. Perfectly stated. Yes. Okay. Here's my here's my last suggested change. Are you ready? I'm so ready. This is I I love this section. This is awesome. Okay. Perfect. I'm glad you're I'm glad you're happy. That's all I care about. Seriously. I was like, I hope she likes <laughs> it. We're gonna do it. Um, I do. Last change. It would have been amazing if Nancy had just told Bess and George off. So, like when. When they, when Bess and George eventually, like, they all kind of meet up at some point and, like, Nancy basically said, like, Nancy, Nancy defends herself and her father and says, like, this is what's happening. This is just a legal situation. Like, we're not involved with it beyond he wanted to write a new will. Dad wrote a new will. Like, that's his job. Yeah. Um, we're not influencing the situation more than that. And at that point, Bess and George kind of go like, you're right. We're wrong. We're sorry. Can we be friends? And I don't know. Like, this is 2021. Like, I don't know. Social media showing on me, I'm sure. But I'm like, I would have much rather her just been like, no, we're done. Like, you know what? I actually don't need this from my friends. Right. And after all we've been through, right. if this is all it takes for you to turn on me, mm-hmm. I'm no longer interested. Yeah. I'm not going to defend myself and I'm not going to defend my father. Like, you can ask me what happened and I'll tell you. But I'm going to need a bigger apology than just like, okay, you know, like, I don't know. Um, 100%. And then, then she needs to call Helen and be like, yes, I'm really sorry. I didn't write to you more after (laughs) European Jim broke off your engagement. And we find out that Helen's still single and a free agent and hasn't moved to Europe. And then she's like, do you want to come back as being my number one best friend? And Helen says, sure, you're forgiven. And as they like drive off back to the mansion, they leave Bess and George bickering in their convertible dust. I love, you know, I'm here for this because it's featuring Helen. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Those are my changes. I love your changes. And I think, I know we talk about spinoffs a lot Mm, here, but mm -hmm. I really think I would love to see you. I would love to reread this book with these changes. Well, thank you. All right. Well, hey, if if we've got like uh, Random House listening, you know, or is it Harper Collins? Who is it? I can't remember anymore. 
Penguin, Random House, Harper Cop, Mr. Whatever, Mr. Stratemeyer, are you still out there? <laughs> I know that I'm a mouthy broad who needs to get back in the kitchen, but if you're interested in having me rewrite these, we'll make you make you some of those royalties. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, so, so Karen, who is Nancy in this book? What have we discovered about our heroine? Who, who is she? Well, I will say, despite what we just discussed, you know, where she could have put the smack down on George and Bess a little bit more, she was the assertive in this book. True. Um, she is not taking guff from anyone. She is, um... Threatening isn't the right word. That's not what I'm looking for. But she's very stern with people. And is like with the example that you provided earlier with, you know, Mrs. Jemmett hitting her with a hairbrush. Mm -hmm. Her response is like, do you know who I am? Do you know who Mm -hmm. my dad is? This is going to be real bad for you. And so I like that she is she has developed a sense of authority around her own personhood. And yes, perfectly stated. She's not letting these bad guys push her around. Mm-hmm. Um, she has an encounter with a gentleman named Mr. Hill mm-hmm. in this book. So Mr. Hill, if I'm remembering correctly, he's like a big wig at a bank, Yeah, right? he's like the president of the, like, the local bank. And he is good friends with Carson. Mm-hmm. So when Carson rewrites, not rewrites, but when Carson helps the rich guy with his will he brings mr hill in as a witness to the final will Mm -hmm. to verify that this man was of sound mind when he wrote this this isn't this is in fact the real yeah he specifically wanted somebody that like would be like unimpeachable under like on the stand like if if yes they had to take you know if if and when this this new will gets contested like he needs somebody who's really going to be able to stand up as an authority on the subject. So he brings in this like big wig bank president. So here's the deal. Mr. Hill looks so suspicious during this entire mm-hmm. book to the point that I actually thought Mr. Hill was the criminal. Mm. He See, there's an, he, there's another possible twist. That would have been fun. True. But like basically the, the scene I'm thinking of Kelly is Nancy goes to this little shack out on the property where she finds out the Gemmets have been squirreling away a lot of this treasure. Mm-hmm. And while she's there, footsteps approach. She hides in a wardrobe. Mm-hmm. and Doesn't go Mr. to Narnia. Hill, she, she does not go to Narnia, no. She hides in the musty wardrobe. And the person who's skulking about with a flashlight and pulling things out of the floorboards, oh, etc., is Mr. Hill. Uh-huh. And he wasn't the bad guy. But his excuse he gave her felt very flimsy. Yes, he was like, it oh, did. I just knew stuff was out here, and I thought I should come get some to bring it back to put it in the safe. And I just wasn't sure why she so easily believed him. Like, he Agreed. was caught in a very compromising situation, and she was like, that adds up. You're a good guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, no questions here. Yeah, so, I, I, my, yeah. my, well, I was like, Nancy, trust but verify, baby. Like, yeah. make a few phone calls. Because part of it was he had said that Carson had called him and sent him out there. Oh, and I was you're like, right. Why don't, you, why don't that. you give Pops a call real quick and be like, did you send this dude out here? Or like, did he just show up to like continue to loot the joint? I mean, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Nancy, and one so of that, these days, I'm, I'm very convinced, like one of these days, Nancy's trusting nature is going to is going to create a problem for her. We just haven't yeah. seen it yet. Her radar is going to be wrong someday, yeah. and oh boy. Um, also, this is kind of the first time 
that we have seen her detecting, her sleuthing, having an impact on her, like, personal life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good point. Like, to date, it's always been a huge boon for her. Mm -hmm. She's, like, living large. She's got dates lined up around the corner. Mm -hmm. She's in the newspaper, etc. And in this book, she cries because Mm -hmm. her involvement in this case damages her relationship with her two best friends. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very interesting. Okay, my last who is Nancy in this book. She gets in like three hand-to-hand combat moments. <laughs> she does when she fights. She fights. <laughs> so, and the I wrote down two of the phrases from these that are so bizarre and have to just be like a Walterism, but the first thing that happens, she and Carson go to the house and Mrs. Jemmet like blocks their entry into the house. She like throws her arms wide and is essentially telling them, "You shall not pass. Mm-hmm. You can't come in." To which they both lol immediately. And Nancy physically removes Mrs. Jemmet. She she darts forward and moves her body. And Walter describes that being done with the speed of a panther. (laughs) Oh, man, I totally missed that. With the speed of a panther. That's a certain way one could say things. And then she gets into hand-to-hand combat on the roof of the inn with the man who is clambering around on a ladder and ultimately chloroforms her. Mm-hmm. And she's holding her breath so that she doesn't breathe in the chloroform and is fighting as fast as she can because she's like, I'm going to faint. I'm not breathing. And Walter writes that she fights like a tigress. <laughs> Oh, man. Do you think he was, like, watching a football game and it was, like, the Panthers versus the Tigers? And he was like, ah, that'll work. Maybe, maybe. But, like, two comparisons to Nancy as... Yeah, big big cats. game cats. Yeah, Yeah, big cats. (laughs) That's what I was looking for. Um, And then the last fist fight that she's in, so she's in that shack. Mr. Hill comes in. Oh, yeah. She validates, okay, Mr. Hill, I don't think you're the bad guy. Then Mr. Jemmet comes in and there's a fist fight. And Nancy like, inserts herself into, like, two large men brawling. Yeah. And, like, breaks up the fight. Crazy. So, fearless. Fearless. And she is, she is a fighter. Yeah, she's, she's not, she's not prepared to throw a few punches. Totally. Yeah. Um, those were my, those were my Nancy takeaways from yeah. this book. Yeah, I mean, that, that I think is, that, I, I have nothing to contribute. Well. She's scrappy. Okay. She is very scrappy. Um, she's tough. She's a tough cookie. Yeah. That's why we like her. So that being said, Karen. Yes. I I have two open-ended questions for you today. And, okay. And the first one is like maybe a little bit of like uh, me trying to be cute. Okay. So like the second <laughs> one is real. Okay. Question number one. Why were the candles twisted? Like was that decorative or was that like part of like his engineering inventing patent thing like did it make them last longer like had no one ever seen a twisted candle before like what was the thing with the can the twisted candles i'm so glad you asked because i googled it oh you did is there an actual answer (laughs) i i was they mentioned that he's an inventor several times and that you know he had like one of the candles he had invented was this smart like wax rotating system or something i don't even know it's not worth going into so i'm like was this form or function thank you thank you for stating that better than i did yes form or function and what i found upon googling it the first search result i kid you not 
It was the top 10 reasons you should try this viral twisted candle trend from TikTok. <laughs> no, are, you're a liar. Seriously? I am not lying. Will you repost it's from, that on our Insta? I will. It's from like late 2020. But I, so I'm like, was this just like a pandemic activity? But kind of like the TikTok pasta that went viral. Yeah. TikTokers were super into making twisted candles. And from my... I'm, I'm after like, I stopped my jaw is on laughing. my desk right now. <laughs> yes. And after I stopped laughing, I was like, went back to the former function question. And from everything I could find, it's it's that they are pretty and they look nice. So like, what was the thing on TikTok? Why did you have to how, try it? How to make a twisted candle. Oh, just how then, to. Yeah. Like, because it's fun and easy yeah. and like a, a nice way to like spruce up your home and I believe, from what I saw very briefly, is that you actually buy, like, taper candles and start with, like, a regular taper candle, and then you take that candle and, like, melt it and twist it yourself. I was like, you probably, like, partially microwave it or something, and then, yeah. Totally. I I cannot uh, recommend that. That could wind up, like, ruining your microwave and burning down your house. So, like, (laughs) I'm not... Like, go to TikTok for your twisting candles. Your tips. tips. Yeah. Um, Good to know, though. So that... I, that kind of is what I was thinking. It was decorative, but anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, this is a legit question. Can you just walk into a restaurant in 1932 and, like, just tell them what to make you? Like, do you not, like, the, there's not, like, a menu or something? I mean, Nancy just walks into this restaurant and is like, you there, garçon, write this down. We'll take... You know, duck egg consomme and, you know, quail eggs on snails yes. and just lists off this very random assortment of food and says scamper off and make that for me. I'm like, is, is that how things work? I mean, I could I <gasps> could I walk into Domino's and be like you there? I'd, I'd like a fried chicken. I thought this was so funny, too. And it was. The the first time that they go into this place, I think she's with Bess and George. Uh-huh. They walk in, and the first thing she says to whoever greets them is, we'll have some cinnamon toast, please. Yes. And I'm like, how do you know? They're still standing in the doorway. And I'm like, what if they don't make that? Right, what if they don't have that on the menu? <laughs> oh, that was so weird. Yeah. I Yes. Also, what a random thing to order. You're like, I've been driving all day and I'm just craving some cinnamon toast. So strange. I mean, it so sounds strange. delicious now that I say it, but that that feels like a very old school thing to me, is cinnamon toast. It's very specific. Yeah. Yeah. I So I, I don't know, but that fascinated me as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, so shall we uh, rate this thing? We shall rate this thing. And I have chosen to surprise you with a rating scale mm. out of left field. All right. This week, Kelly, we are rating the sign of the twisted candles out of a twelve possible chimney bats. <laughs> oh man! If 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 there's anything I hate worse than a guard a, a snake guardian, it's a chimney bat. And we didn't talk about this, so listeners, there is a scene in this book where Nancy is searching for the clues, and she just like busts open the flue of the chimney, and yes. like a ton of bats fly out. Yeah. And it's not good. And like <laughs> Hannah's running around with her skirt over her head, literally, and yelling yes. like, "Don't let them bite you, Nancy!" And again, yes. like it's it's a straight out of the office moment. It was excellent. So, what say you? How many chimney bats will you rate this book? Uh, I'm giving it eleven chimney bats. <gasps> yeah, I think wow. I think it is my highest rating to date. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, it lost. I'm, it I'm lost. Stunned. It lost thirteen chimney bats for the snake, but it gained them all back. So, <laughs> I love it. You know, I think I'm also eleven chimney bats. Yeah, I was originally gonna do twelve chimney bats because this one was just like bar none the best one I think. Yeah, so far. Um, but it wasn't but it perfect. Lost, it wasn't perfect, and it lost one chimney bat for me because of that moment with Ned when he was just a complete idiot. And I was like, I could have done without knowing that about Ned. About Ned. We're we're getting a lot more critical as we go, which I think is valid. I mean, it's like, it's like on Top Chef where they're like, all of these were delicious meals. Now we have to talk about the person that used just, you know, one quarter of a second to spray too much Pam and the, you know, Pam in the skillet. Yes. Like you stared at that egg too long and that ruined it. So um wow okay well we're both agreed 11 chimney bats 11 chimney bats a high rating and what will we read what will be i can't say that sentence what will we be reading next week well karoon we will be reading (laughs) for our i believe this is our third super sleuth super sleuth special how time flies yeah number three so this week we are or next week we are reading the inheritance games by jennifer lynn barnes and yes i'm super excited about this one it's it's kind of the first not nostalgia book we've picked like this is yeah contemporary um it's published just a couple years ago um and neither of us have read it so this will be fun and it does, it fits into kind of what we've been doing, though, like teenage sleuths. We've got, I, I mean, inheritance. I'm, I think there's a, you know, mysterious will, something will, involved, yeah. you know, I think there are some, there's some um, puzzle solving and things like that. So anyway, it sounds really good. I think it's, um, I'm not sure if it's a trilogy, but I know there's like a series developing out of this. So um, anyway, I, we hope you will read and enjoy along with us. Yay! I can't wait for that. I'm so excited. Um, Friends, thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe if you are so inclined. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at It's a Clue Podcast, where we would love to see your one-sentence plot submissions. And also, if you have recommendations for books that we should read, we would love to uh, collaborate with you there. Woohoo! Yes, please find us. Uh, And... Karen, remember what we learned today in Nancy Drew and the Sign of the Twisted Candles. Okay. Don't open chimney flues unless you want a face full of bats. And <laughs> yes. And never open boxes with air holes. <laughs> never. It could be a snake. I, I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> Noted. I never will. I never will. Well, Kelly, thank you so much. And with that, happy, happy sleuthing. It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow. It-